In this episode, I talk with the one, the only, Kyle Maynard. All right, guys, welcome back to the Millennial Momentum Podcast. This is your host, Tom Alamo, and you can find me, Tommy Tahoe, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Give us a shout, millennialmomentum.net. If you're new to the show, thank you for listening. This show is all focused around millennial personal development, and I think that if you if you want to get to the next level, financially, your relationship, your health, whatever it may be, you need three things, right? You need a relentless work ethic. You need a positive growth mindset. You need a little bit of momentum, which is forward motion with energy. I'm hoping that this show can be that spark of momentum for you. I hope it can be that for me uh, as we're all striving towards our next goals. So again, thank you for listening. If you find any value here, the one plug I'll make, please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes. If you're listening there, if you're watching on YouTube, wherever it is, uh, follow me, leave a review, subscribe. Uh, I do all this in my free time, quote unquote, uh, outside of my full-time job as a sales manager. So this is early morning, late night, weekends, and I do it all to add value. So I appreciate anyone that can show some support in that way. Now I want to get to today's episode. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how, how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again. But there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. It's the famous speech from Teddy Roosevelt about the man in the arena. And I think it plays well to today's interview with Kyle Maynard. And, you know, what if I told you that you could be anything, anything that you wanted? Now, you could be a best-selling author, a motivational speaker, an entrepreneur, you could accomplish physical feats like you know climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. You could practice MMA. You could open up a business. Your accomplishments would be so staggering that Oprah Winfrey would call you one of the most inspiring young men you would ever hear about. Arnold Schwarzenegger would call you a champion human. Imagine that. And now imagine you're born as a quadruple amputee. Arms that end at your elbows and legs that end at the knees. You realize growing up that you're not created like some of the other kids in school physically. And routine acts like putting on socks can take up to 45 minutes. Now what if I told you that those two people were the same, that had that same upbringing and that same list of accomplishments? That's Kyle Maynard. He is one of the most inspirational and impressive human beings I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. He has conquered 
obstacles that very few of us can relate to, and has racked up a list of accomplishments that are mind-boggling. Despite this, he stays humble. He he's, admits that he's on a long way to his personal journey. He even refers to his disability as the best thing that ever happened to him. And I think that he really embodies the spirit of the man in the arena, someone that puts himself out there, someone that doesn't take uh, use any of uh, you know the way that he is created and, and his obstacles as any sort of an excuse. He decides to succeed in spite of those perceived limitations rather than fail because of them. I believe that you know, we all have greatness within us and it's our duty, it's our obligation to unlock it. And Kyle has certainly unlocked his greatness. He's continuing to push the limits. He's continuing to push himself to that next level. He's an inspirational cat to the core. Uh, and he's already achieved so much and he's, he's looking to achieve more and he's looking to learn more about himself. I think you're really going to enjoy this one between Kyle and myself where we chop it up You know, the first 20 minutes or so. Uh, we get deep, and he's talking about really his self-discovery, about you know who he's becoming and what he's learning, um, and then the last 10, 15 minutes, uh, we get into you know some more inspirational content around how you can be better and and you know choosing to be the best version of yourself. So, without further ado, let's get into this episode, this interview with the Kyle Maynard. All right, now on the Millennial Momentum Show, we have Kyle Maynard. He's a motivational speaker, best-selling author, entrepreneur, SB award-winning MMA athlete, uh, known for being the first quadruple amputee to reach the summit of both Mount Kilimanjaro and Mount Okanagua. Uh, Oprah has called him one of the most inspiring young men you'll ever hear about. Arnold Schwarzenegger calls him a champion human one of the most inspiring people he's ever met. Welcome to the show, Mr. Kyle Maynard. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's quite the rap sheet that you have. Um, what, what's, let's just start here. What's that like um, hearing that about yourself? I, I can't, it's just so many accomplishments um, in one paragraph. I used to be somebody. I don't know. <laughs> No, I, I mean, it's cool. I've gotten to live a cool life, um, you know, getting on a lot of different adventures and different kind of, you know, interesting things. It is, it's, it's a very surreal life, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's epic, man. And it, it, you know, truthfully, you read that as, you know, anyone else and you kind of feel like shit a little bit, um, you know, like, what am I doing? Um, and I can't, you know, there's five the 10 other things that we could have included here about your wrestling career and CrossFit and weightlifting. Um, and you're just a really impressive guy and, and really inspirational for everyone else to, you know, get after whatever that is in life. So I appreciate the work that you've put in. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. I, I mean, I appreciate the work that you're doing too. You know, I think the collective teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. And, and so let's, let's get into it. Um, you know, Outside of all the accomplishments you've had, you've, you've been able to do that um, while, uh, you know, having the obstacle set forth around being, you know, a quadruple amputee, and that hasn't limited anything that you've done. And I've heard you say that it's been 
you know, one of the best things that's one of the best to do, uh, you to just talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, to give people kind of a visual, I had my arms and the elbows and legs and at the knees. So, you know, when I get around places at home, I usually bear crawl. Um, when I'm going up the mountain, I'll bear crawl down on all fours. I've got special shoes for that. Um, but, you know, it's the strange thing is on a, on a day-to-day basis, there aren't a whole lot of, like, adaptations that I'd have in my life that would make it that much different. Um, it, you know, so it's, it's kind of strange. It's almost like I say that my parents kind of pulled, you know, the, like, Jedi mind trick on me when I was younger to make me think that I wasn't disabled, that I was able to just figure stuff out and do them and do different things, and, and it kind of became true. And I think that, you know, I firmly believe that the mindset that we have towards whatever adversity it is in our life is much more critical than, than whatever the, the physical adversity or, or mental thing is itself. And when did you develop that mindset and, and how? Because I think regardless of your situation in life, wherever you are, whatever obstacles, everyone has, you know, different degrees and different types of obstacles. But I think very people see the world that way that the obstacle is an opportunity, right? Um, and those that do are the ones that I think achieve the greatest success. So how did you develop that mindset versus, you know, what is more likely and an easier of, you know, woe is me or using it as an excuse or, or using it as, you know, um, not necessarily fuel? Uh, you know, it's a weird combination of all things of like nature versus nurture. I think it's both. Um, I think, you know, probably there are things that are born inside of all of us, you know, that we're going to be predisposed to go one way or the other. But I think the other side of it is, though, that, like, um, you know, we we are able to, like, pull and invoke out some kind of different paths through through our mind. And uh, I remember, you know, my grandma would would spill rice on the ground and I'd vacuum it up, you know, and or like she'd have me paint on the walls of water or she would have this like sugar jar where I would only be able to fit one arm inside and have to kind of like precariously balance this sugar scooper off to like pull the, the thing out. So from a very early age, you know, I think that they were kind of like throwing out challenges for me to do to be able to, you know, um, kind of build and develop my like proximal level of of competency and um you know it's, it's still not dissimilar from from stuff that i do and believe in today to kind of do the same thing yeah and, and how is that yeah on, on that note how has that worked now that you're you know an adult and you're challenging yourself obviously you've, you've set forth some of these challenges in terms of um you know being a mountaineer and and weightlifting and mma and crossfit and all these things What's the next challenge? Like, how do you keep adding on to that to keep challenging yourself? Because it seems like you're, you've set the bar so high in terms of some of the accomplishments you've had. The physical challenges will always, I think, be an aspect of what I do. But I would say the, the challenges that I'm most interested in now are ones of more of a like existential kind of nature, more like intellectual challenges, more um, challenges of like you know seeking wisdom differentiating what that wisdom actually is versus you know kind of the collective nonsense that that we get exposed to a lot of the time um seeking that for myself then ultimately you know 
broadcasting that to others and saying, hey, this is what's helped me. I don't know if it'll necessarily be what helps you, but it's what's helped me. So I think that that's kind of like the, the biggest challenge that I have right now, doing a lot more writing, thinking, you know, literally just took six months of last year just to like sit and read and think. So I, um, you know, like I said, the physical will, will definitely always be there, but that's just kind of one, one road up the mountain, you know, one path. And, uh, you know, we can't get too hung up on any one specific thing. Like there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different ways that we could seek to better ourselves. And has there been anything in that last six month stretch that has stuck out to you, uh, an idea, a philosophy, a book that you found to be, you know, life changing or really change your perspective on things? Uh, yeah. I mean, a ton. How much time you got, mister? <laughs> you know, like I, I, uh, I think um, my favorite book ever is called Empire of the Summer Moon. And it's the, uh, the history of the um, Comanche Indian tribes. And um, in particular, the last chief of the Comanches, Quanah Parker, kind of a personal hero of mine. But I'd say one of the main reasons for that is like, I, I've been studying a lot of like indigenous tribes and cultures just to see the ways in which they lived. You know, like they were incredibly connected and lived a very like purposeful life. The societies were remarkably egalitarian. Um, and, you know, everybody pulled their weight. That That's kind of like my one gripe with like, you know, more, you know, kind of like the push towards like a more egalitarian societies now is like, okay, well, not everybody is necessarily interested in helping like pull, pull their weight. That's just kind of like a fact. And it's like, we, I want to get us to, I, I feel like collectively would want us to nudge us towards a direction where, you know, that would be the case though, right? And I, I think that tribes maintained like really, um, you know, powerful hierarchies, but they weren't used in a way that was like oppressive. They weren't used in any sort of tyrannical way. It was like they were, you know, did their best to govern the tribe for the you know betterment of, of their people granted it was maybe at the detriment of the tribe next door which is something that we'll have to kind of transcend as a human being now but i think that there's a tremendous amount to learn from like in, in just indigenous tribal groups there's a lot of like i don't know i've learned a lot from you know sort of western civilization and the philosophies that emerged out of that especially the existentialist um you know from start to uh Kierkegaard and Heidegger, Nietzsche, and um, Mu, but then also like on um, you know the the eastern side of things, and and like you know more of the like Zen yogi philosophies, and I think the you know then also like learning the indigenous kind of way of life was, was something that like kind of balanced out those perspectives. There's um it's a pretty awesome book called um, Island by Aldous Huxley which was like the counterpart to um, his uh, like dystopian book, Brave New World, where he, in Ireland, he talks about like all three of those kind of like ideas, sort of the East, the West, and the indigenous way of life, like being that which would kind of create like the optimal, um, you know, utopian mindset. So 
it's a really cool book. There's like one of my favorite parts of it is it's like there are birds on the island that squawk at you. They train these birds to squawk, pay attention. And the main character said, like, why do they say that? And he said, because that's the thing that you always forget to do. <laughs> is that is that a, a, a fiction book? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think the older I get, the more that I realize that fiction points to more truth than nonfiction maybe ever could. The Empire of the Summer Moon is a historical like, piece, kind of yeah. piece of the history. Like, um, Island is a fiction book. So those are kind of two different but similar resources that people could go to. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've been a big nonfiction guy, um, you know, since I've been getting into reading the last probably three to five years, but I've just started getting into the fiction game and definitely agree with you. One, the writing is better. So uh, if you're interested in writing and understanding how to, you know, pose interesting sentences, paragraphs, draw someone in, that's the way to go. And two, it, it talks about, you know, you learn about people that way. You learn about maybe the time period that it is set in um, and the way that, you know, other people think and, and psychology, I think, really well. And it's something that I didn't really expect. And I'm, I'm just di diving into it now, but I, I will definitely check out the Island book. Um, and it's just interesting how you, some of those books can help you reframe the way that you see the world and the way that you treat other people or lead other people or, you know, the way that you act yourself. Oh, man, without a doubt. Yeah, I, I'm a pretty big nerd and proud of it. And it, uh, I mean, I would not be a fraction of who I am without that, with all the resources, you know, with all the different people and influences that guide us. You know, that's why I think it's just complete bullshit when anybody says that they're self-made. I think nobody's self-made. We're all a collection of the society that we were born into, of the, the culture, of the, you know, the people around us. A hundred percent. Yeah. There's a big, there's a, a quote, I believe from Arnold Schwarzenegger. He came up with it, but I heard it from him around that. No one's a self-made man or woman, right? It takes, it takes a village right. to, of all the people that inspire you and nurture you and, you know, maybe challenge yeah. you all these different things. And that's one thing I'm curious about with you in talking with, you know, Joey, who I believe is your, your best friend or one of your best friends for a really long time that, that helped to set up this interview. And you talk in your book about you know, your parents and your grandmother and, and some of your really close friends. How has your team, as I would call it, the people that are closest to you, how have they impacted you? And how do you choose and, and decipher who's really with me? You know, who's really someone that I can trust versus other people that may just be have latched on because you know of the fame that you've you've gotten and things like that how do you determine that um that's an interesting question i think it's that if you one way to differentiate it would be to see how excited is somebody when you share news with them about that like went good with their life that's not going to benefit them in any way yeah. Yeah. Because if, you know, if, if they're like at all, you know, you see them like bummed out by that, then it, it, it'll tell you something. And, and it's surprising how often that occurs. 
Yeah. And it, it, if they're happy for you, then, you know, that means that they, they actually care and it's the people that don't, if they don't have totally. it in the game and they're still happy for you, that's, that's a great way to decipher who's, who's really got your back. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I want to take a bit of a turn. Um, you know, one of the things that you talk about in your book a lot um, and, and a little bit, I think on social media is, is the topic of faith and how impactful that has been on your life. It's something that personally, um, you know, I've had some ups and downs with it and it's been something that's really been more of a focus point for me in 2019 of really trying to do some exploration personally on, on faith and, and what that means to me and, and how that might add a new dimension to my life. Can you talk a little bit about your spiritual or, or faith-filled or religious, however you would define it, journey? Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this is also like probably something that would take hours to truly unpack, but like it, you know, I, I spent, I would say it's like I grew up in like more of like a Baptist home um, and then started to learn more about like science and evolution and the rest of, you know, the spiritual practices of the rest of the world. And, you know, and, and saw that like, you know, my faith of growing up would say that these people would be condemned to hell and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And I was like, that just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like, I'm sorry. Like, so I spent probably the majority of my twenties as what I would profess to be an atheist. And, you know, and, and I still sort of maintain like a 50, 50% perspective of like spirituality and atheism. Um, I think it, it keeps me of a lot more grounded and you know ultimately ultimately there's just whatever is right so if we're not truly not afraid of whatever is in existence then we would seek answers and wisdom like wherever there we could and so I'm indiscriminate when it comes to like the different spiritual perspectives that I go and look for wisdom in and it you know, is interesting because if you look at like the different like tribal cultures around the world, you know, in the shamanic practices of those cultures, like they're, they're very similar, you know, whether they were in Siberia or, you know, Central America, like basically occurring at the same time, people were doing relatively the same thing. So that's kind of fascinating to me. And um, I think, you know, either that means we've evolved with this structure in our brains um, or, you know, we're interconnected in ways that we can't really even fathom, you know, and I, I don't know. I don't really know entirely. You know, I think that's one of the, like the great mysteries, but I, I do know that like nobody knows, <laughs> you know, it's like I, I go to like the uh, wisdom that, um, you know, like Socrates was uh, claimed by the Oracle, you know, at Delphi to be the wisest of all men and he went about to try to prove to prove the oracle wrong and when he went around and he like talked to a bunch of different people eventually came to the conclusion that like maybe she was right because he realized though that like everybody pretended to know things that they did not and that you know when in fact he knew that most things he did not actually know and they pretended 
to know them. So whether it's like a church pastor or a scientist that is absolutely certain on one side or the other of what reality and existence is, I just don't claim or pretend to actually know. I care deeply and I'm constantly searching and seeking myself. I guarantee, you know, if you have a, like a high dose psychedelic experience that you'll quickly believe that there's something else going on in this reality other than what it is that you'll see. But yet, like, it's, you know, it's just, it's amazing, like, the uh, plane of existence that, that we're actually in, and, you know, and, and who knows, it's kind of, um, it's just like a fun adventure, you know, like, I think a lot of it, like, it, I mean, for sure, there, like, I don't want to diminish the fact, too, that, like, there are, like, there are very hard times, and that's one of the reasons why having, like, a spiritual practice of some sort can kind of help you know, psychologically cope with a lot of the things that are going on. And I do personally, not by any proof that I could demonstrate, but by like, I just kind of intuitively believe that like things connect together in ways that we can't understand. And frankly, if they don't, if it is a truly just an empty and meaningless universe, then we can do whatever the fuck we want at that point, which is kind of cool as well. <laughs> so like, I mean, you know, in terms of creating the game in which you know, we, we live, right? Like the, the game and the context in which we live and the game and the context in which we live for me is one of like trying to go and seek this like deeper truth. If in fact that deeper truth is nothing more than just like, you know, the, the like sort of scientific materialist reductionist view of the world, then, then I can still seek that deeper truth and still have just a fun like time making it up, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, well, it's, I think, from what I see is that it's, it's impossible to know the truth, right? And that's, that's probably not really the point. I think the point is, I think it's helpful, at least from my perspective, to, to believe in something that's greater than yourself, whatever that may be, um, for the fact that, you know, when things are going well, it keeps you humble that, you know, it's not all you and you're not, you control a lot of your destiny, but I think there is a factor of, you know, there's, there's other things at play and it gives you faith when you are having a shitty day or a shitty year or a really bad time that, you know, it can get better in, in the future. Um, and right. I imagine that. Which know. it absolutely can, you know, like, and it, and it, it, like, that's the thing. It's like, for me, like all of my like spiritual, like kind of underpinnings, I guess, like would also have like a secular side and interpretation too. Like, it absolutely can get better. It's just taking those action steps to go and tell the truth to yourself about whatever things are right now. And then, you know, I'm choosing to do something about it. Like, and that, that's a real thing. You know, you can believe in that. And like people that are listening to this can go and, and tell the truth to themselves about how they've been in a certain regard in their life. And they can do something about that. You know, like it's that taking the steps away from your own personal hell towards your personal heaven. Like that's the aim. It's the climbing the, tree of life that unites the two like that's that's the ultimate climb that you want to make and <clears throat> then it's like getting clear excuse me <clears throat> it's getting clear on what your value structure is you know what is it that matters to you and creating kind of your own personal hierarchy of like of what what matters for me i would say like the three most kind of important values and structures would be sort of summed up in like you know three different columns one would be sort of like a zen yogi buddhist kind of way 
One would be as sort of like the kind of traditional Western civilization achievement and all that, but like with Christ as sort of like the apex of that, you know, of, of like also helping the poor and, and like being, you know, incredibly forgiving and compassionate. And then the third would be, you know, um, like the Comanche Quanta Parker way. So like someone that will, you know, fuck you up if he needs to, <laughs> but yet like is, is going to be the last in the world that's going to be likely to do that in the event that like, you know, he doesn't need to. That's kind of like, you know, almost, I guess the totality of it is to kind of like, I don't know, like what I'm trying to learn to do is live a bit more like a samurai or something. I, I don't know. It's like, there's different, different cultures, different people around the world have kind of, you know, come to different conclusions, but like very, very similar things. Like you, there's, there's nuances that are, that are unique and different, but like, you know, all around the world, you get people that become kind of like masters of, of their craft and, and I can just, I don't know, human beings are amazing and fascinating. And I think that like life is better lived when you can just find your way, your path. No one else really can, in my estimation, tell you what's right for you. But like life will show up differently when you do take on that path of like trying to, to sort of master your way. Like, I don't think that I've reached any state of like enlightenment, but I think I've found like the trail. It's, it's a weird kind of like, it's a weird, weird place in my life. And I, I feel like very grateful for it though. And how do you recommend that someone would find that path if they're earlier in their process as they might be? I mean, you've done, not only do you have those, all those accomplishments, but you, you seem to have gone through and are continuing to go through a journey of, of, you know, self-realization and, and really diving deeper into yourself. So for the person that is, you know, feels stuck and isn't really sure what their next move is or the right move or where they should be going, what they should be doing, do you have any advice on how you find that, you know, not to be cliche, but that true north or that, that spot where, where they should be spending their efforts and, and that should be, you know, where their life should be headed? Yeah, so to give you a little like glimpse into how it was like I was able to do it for myself, but like I would say the realization that I made, you know, recently, and it's, you know, a lot of it was just due to studying like evolution and nature and then um, hearing, uh, you know, conversations that Jordan Peterson had in particular with Joe Rogan. I remember that like those episodes, those podcasts, so he's talked a lot about hierarchies. I think it's a very fascinating idea. So hierarchies in general exist all over throughout nature and you in your personal life like would have like hierarchy of what it is that you value. So if I were to like, let's say, you know, I, that I'm walking through this with you to determine any of your path, I would try to like get you to list out your top, you know, 12 favorite, um, you know, teachers or models of people that you, you know, at this juncture of your life, and this may change over time, right? Like, it's like if I were to do this, how old are you? 25. 25. Yeah. If I were to do this at 25, it would look a lot different than I, than it, than it does now at like 33. So, um, I would say take like your list of, you know, top 12 
teachers and you know in models of, of life of people that like from a spiritual perspective or philosophers or entrepreneurs or you know uh weightlifters or whatever your thing is artists um like rank order your list and then especially like look at the top three like i said if i were to like distill mine it would be like buddha jesus and quanta parker <laughs> so those three are like probably like top of my list and i would you know like i would put personally just purely due to the fact that like jesus was the guy that was going around and like getting tortured and forgave people on the cross like you don't have to believe in anything else you don't have to believe in any like the miracles you don't have to believe in any resurrection just it's like purely the idea that like he was like teaching really good powerful wisdom and then like was tortured for it then like he to me is like kind of like where i put the apex of my hierarchy you know i would say buddha and Kwana parker would occupy like the next tier so that sort of like triangle that sort of like you know whatever those three people it or the three ideas of those three people that i hold in, in my conception of them would be what would form my like true north is to like try to be more like that so that means you know like just on a day-to-day when we're having this conversation like i want to try to be fully present you know in this conversation and not doing a whole lot of other things you know if you said something that really annoyed me or whatever then like i could learn to be like forgiving or whatever but also if you said something that like was completely out of line that from like the quanta parker warrior perspective that i would be able to stand up and like you know disagree and if you ever put my like personhood or someone that i loved in danger that i'd be willing to go and step in and like stop that so that that kind of like is what forms the basis for my personal hierarchy and ethos. But I encourage people to do the same, you know, like just really put some thought into like, you know, and it's, then you go deeper and it's like, you know, if we were to extend this out to 12 or 15 or 20 different people, there would be a lot of other influences on the list. They probably wouldn't pull on me quite as much as those top three do. But, you know, it's like a Pareto's principle, right? Like it's the 80-20. Get to know the, you know, the 20% first. Right. And it's it's interesting when you think about the people and then, you know, some of the, you write down those people and then you write down maybe the top th- uh, few values that each of them represent. You know, maybe it's, you know, forgiveness or, you know, calm or or, you know, uh, standing up for what you believe in or whatever it may be. And then that's kind of what makes up who you are, right. Or, or what you aspire right. to, be. you're not going to be perfect with it. You're going to have days and times where, you know, maybe you're, you're cause, because you're, you know, you're not Jesus, you know, you're going to um, have more difficult times and you maybe you can't control, you know, the way that you react to a situation or whatever it may be. Um, but that's the path. That's what you follow. Um, and is there, in thinking that and going on that thread, is there a phrase or a word or um, a, a paragraph or a sentence that you think defines your philosophy? 
that you've buttoned up? Hmm. I'll have to probably get back to you on that. I know. I think my, my buddy and Mitch, I'm living like in his art studio right now. Like I've got, like I've got, like I've basically kind of given up most of my possessions to kind of like go out and seek out and like just adventure and help friends and kind of experience more life. So I'm sitting in, you know, one of my best friends art studios and like just, uh, you know, living here it's, it's awesome his his kind of message is mindset is everything and it's a simple one but it really is like true to that regard it's like however you form your personal like ethos of what it is like learn that like you know your mindset is a muscle you know and to train it to expose yourself to to hard things and to challenges and and all that that are going to you know, allow you to kind of transcend and experience something deeper, especially like I would say the real thing that we're talking about here is like a, a deeper level of personal meaning about life. You know, no matter how you conceive it, I think you have to like come up with your own idea of like what is a meaningful life to you and, you know, realize like your mindset about that the circumstances that you face about them, you know, both driving the meaning and, you know, following through with however it becomes meaningful to you. Like those are like that, that is everything in your life. And um, I don't know, it's, it's kind of as simple as that, but like, I think there's another book that I think is fascinating, like not fascinating. It's, it's amazing, but it's um, man's search for meaning. By so, Victor Frankel. Yeah, and it's like you imagine like Victor Frankel was an uh, Austrian Jew, but trained psychotherapist who, you know, ends up in Auschwitz. And, you know, so he's a trained psychotherapist in the worst place on the planet for people to, you know, to endure. And he found meaning in helping other people get through the experience. But he also noticed like as long as they maintained hope that like they could get through this, then they would continue to fight. But he said the day that he would see in their face that they gave up hope, they'd be dead within a day or two. Yeah. And I think that's like such a powerful lesson, you know, it's like, like, why is it that you're doing what you're doing? You know, some days I get it. Like if you're working at a company that you're not like super into or whatever, like that's understandable. But like what else in your life is like providing meaning and value to you? And one way to go and do that would be to frankly, like what what's, what's helped to me is like letting go of what my letting go of what I thought that I wanted and listening more to what my friends wanted, realizing that it's very much the same thing. And then removing my ego from the situation of like needing to be the guy to like go and do something and just realizing that I just want to jump in and help them. And man, it's been amazing. Like we're literally like talking about kind of like creating some really cool stuff together now as a consequence of that. And who knows where, where this is going to go. And it's, I don't know, I, it's been pretty cool. Like I realized like my personal 
archetype in terms of the business setting is like, I want it to be Tyrion Lannister. <laughs> you know, I want to be the guy that can like help out and advise, but like, I, I don't want to like lead and, and manage people and hire and fire and all those things. Like I want to be an advisor. Like I drink and I know things. So, you know, yeah. like I want to, I want to be that. And like, since I've adopted that mentality of like not trying to be something that I'm not, then like, man, it's amazing how much better my life has gotten, how much less stress I am, like how much more freedom I have. And uh, yeah. So, you know, you can kind of just, a lot of this is just like that personal reflection on like getting as close as you can to like who it is that like, you know, you value, like you said, what it is that these like teachers have done that, you know, that you admire and like, like going after that, create your own ideal to strive for that, that will be like that rope that's helping pull you up the mountain and then do the climb, like do the work. Another, you know, way that I've kind of created like a personal hierarchy of, of, uh, of possessions. Like I, you know, like it sounds silly, but like I have a, uh, like a frog necklace that was given to me by a Guatemalan grandmother in Belize. Like, and she was amazing. And like, we talked for a long time and she gave me this frog necklace as a gift. And it's the most like valued possession that I own. And like the frog itself as a symbol has shown up for me in a ton of different ways. And it's pretty, pretty commonly shown in a lot of shamanic like practices and things like that. And like, but it the frog itself is like the embodiment of all of like the teachers of wisdom that, that I seek after. So I wear this frog necklace and you, you know, that's the most important thing to me. Like there, there's like a few other possessions I have that are approaching that level of value. We're talking like three or four things, but you know, since that's the most important to me, like if I lost everything else, I'd be okay. And even if I lost my frog necklace, like I'm not going to let it ruin my day. I'm sure somebody else would give me another one. So, yeah. you know, it's, there's really nothing that you could take from me now that would make me sad, which is cool. Like literally like I could watch my house burn down and like, you know, or Mitch's house, I guess. And like, I'd be bummed for him, but like, I'll be cool. <laughs> so, you know, it's just a weird place, but I feel like, man, like I, I want to help other people get to this place and, and not through a way of like being dogmatic about it, but just, you know, having like a consciousness of, of how you lead your life, how you determine your values. And then like, you can be free. That's awesome, man. That's, that's just amazing advice. The last, you know, five minutes there for anyone, regardless of your age, uh, especially if you're, you know, the millennials that are listening, but anyone else um, on the mindset, you know, how to find your, you know, your calling and, and the ways to live life. And you, you continue sharing your journey um, to wrap this thing up. I know on social media, maybe you can just give us a quick uh, plug for, for where we can find you on, on social and, and anything else you got going on. Yeah. I would say the place that I'm most easily found would be Instagram, just at Kyle Maynard. Occasionally on Twitter, uh, but I more kind of lurk on there just to see the world and tear itself apart. <laughs> so, <laughs> man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the time. Um, I appreciate the 
transparency, diving deep. Um, you, you are an inspiration to, I mean, millions of people at this point, myself included. Um, loved having you on this morning and, and we'll definitely be you know, wishing you the best and, and continue to follow your journey. Thanks, man. Likewise, I appreciate you giving me a chance to reach your people and, you know, to everybody listening. I, if you're still listening at this point, I, I appreciate the time that you've invested in this conversation. All right. Thanks, Kyle. We appreciate it. Um, talk to you thanks, soon. Thank you for listening to that episode of the Millennial Momentum Podcast. Remember, you can follow me at Tommy Tahoe, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, millennialmomentum.net. Please subscribe and review this show on iTunes. It means the world of difference. Have a great day. Be awesome.